Welcome to Business Ninjas, brought to you by Write For Me, where you'll hear from business leaders who are out there growing their business and slaying it every day. Learn from the masters. Let's get started. Hi, and welcome to another episode of Business Ninjas. I'm here today with Dr. Laura Brown, founder and owner of Forensic Psychology, and one of her consulting uh, psychologists, Dr. Jesse Lambert. Ladies and gentlemen, how are we doing today? Great. Doing good. Well, thanks for spending some time with us here on Business Ninjas. Dr. Brown, please tell us a little bit about yourself and about forensic psychology. So I'm a forensic psychologist um, in Baton Rouge, Louisiana. And forensic psychology is just me and Dr. Lambert (laughs) and our other uh, support staff. Um, And we do forensic evaluations for courts and attorneys around Louisiana. And I guess some other states too, but mostly Louisiana. What's your background and how did you come to end up in forensic psychology? Um, I went to school for forever, like, I don't know, 10 years or something <laughs> 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 to be a psychologist. So um, I'm kind of stuck with that. But, um, but during my training, I, I did um, criminal forensic evaluations, um, uh, a little bit in grad school and then on internship. And then as I was getting my license. Um, so that that's just what I've kept doing. And just to be clear to our listeners, forensic psychology is a genre of of uh, uh, of care, but it is also the name of Dr. Laura Brown's company. So let's be clear about that. When did you start the company and how did that come about? I started in 2020 in May, and uh, I started first just doing a couple evaluations, like a couple every few months um, on you know, whenever I could, it was in the middle of the pandemic. (laughs) So uh, I was home with my son and couldn't do too much. But when I could, um, I kind of started the business so I could do a few of those evaluations and and get started on something. And and Dr. Lambert, what's your role at the company? Well, uh, I work alongside uh, Dr. Brown, uh, also doing um, uh, criminal forensic evaluations, but we also do some work with uh, uh, in the civil realm uh, and also uh, with juveniles. So um, I um, work alongside Dr. Brown and serve as a consultant to some of those issues. Okay. And, and just to be clear, are you being hired by people to help defend themselves? Are you being hired by lawyers? Are you being hired by the court systems? What's yeah. the business model? Mostly um, we are hired by courts. Um, just by virtue of the the area, so the you know the criminal forensic evaluations. That's mostly that's you know what I've done all through my training. Um, a lot of the defendants are indigent, and so they're um, using a public defense attorney. And the courts will appoint um, an evaluator if there's a mental illness issue that needs to be addressed. They'll appoint actually two or three. So that's where a lot of that comes from. Um, I worked at the state hospital for many years before this. So um, I was very used to that. Also, we we do have some attorneys that will hire us. It's not as common um, because most criminal defendants, you know, they don't have a lot of money to pay a high price attorney. Um, And then as far as in the, um, with the civil, uh, civil evaluations in in those cases, we don't do as much of that, but it, it does come up. And those would be uh, referred by attorneys who, you know, 
either they're um, the defendant's attorney, maybe they work for, you know, an insurance, working for an insurance company or something, or the plaintiffs were, their client has had an issue um, that they're filing a suit for. I assume the general gist of what you do is to prove whether a person is fit to stand trial in the first place. For the criminal evaluations, that's definitely the most common thing. And, and in a civil context, what are you doing there? So that would be um, for mostly like for psychological damages. So if um, if someone suffered, you know, a mental injury or they're alleging they did because of, you know, something someone else did, um, in that case, they might need an evaluation. It's usually that. There are, you know, some other things too, but that's typically... Um, what it is. There's a lot for workers' compensation or um, disability stuff that there, a lot of times they need an evaluator. In terms of of revenue, you, I assume, are paid by the state more often than not. Is that correct? It's usually the um, the cities or the parish parishes here, <laughs> the parishes um, who fund the, the local uh, district courts. So typically it would be like city of Baton Rouge. Okay. So the municipality for whom you are, are doing your work and, and what percentage of your work is, is that way? What percentage of your work would you say comes from municipalities and court systems? I think it's probably about like 80%. Okay. And, and the other 20 comes from where? Um, from private attorneys or um, a, uh, the, they've hired a company that does finds experts or something like that, you know, and you are always um, assessing defendants as opposed? No. It, um, okay. well, the, so I'm always assessing the defendants with the court appointing cases, but it, it but I'm hired by the court, so I'm not on either side. Gotcha. And then for the other cases with the criminal ones, I would always typically, sometimes the DAs hire um, an expert, but mostly it's going to be the defense attorneys. And then for the civil um for the civil evaluation, it's either or. I, I know this is an odd question. We typically ask, what makes you stand out from your competition? Is is there a, a, a hotbed of forensic psychologists in Baton Rouge, Louisiana? I don't think so. <laughs> um, <laughs> there, aren't, there aren't that many of us. Um, uh, you know, I think the thing that maybe makes us stand out is um, that this is all we do. Um, so, you know, a lot of people will do some evaluations for courts or attorneys, but in their practice, they do a lot of other things too. Um, but we've kind of focused on these evaluations. So it's, it's our, it's our main thing. Excellent. And in terms of getting the word out, so people know about you, how, how have you marketed forensic psychology? Um, most of what we've done is just call our contacts, <laughs> um, or, you know, um, let courts know that we're available. Um, we have a website, but you know, it, it's just up. It's not like, <laughs> it's not like it, it's been, um, you know, engineered for SEO or anything like that yet. Um, so it's mostly it, a lot of this, a lot of the around here, um, a lot of that comes from word of mouth anyway. Anybody here have any subjects they'd like to cover in this podcast before we move on to almost wrapping it up? Jesse, any, any, any topics you'd like to cover? Well, you know, I think that uh, in addition to working with adults, we also do uh, some work with the juvenile court, which is, is a little different. It has a little 
different mission statements, so to speak, uh, the juvenile court is more oriented towards rehabilitation. Uh, so we're able to uh, perform some assessments in that uh, domain as well. Uh, risk assessments, uh, uh, evaluations for intervention, uh, things along those lines. Hey, one would hope that if if that sort of process happens um, properly, that you might save some some troubles down the you know down the road in terms of people becoming career criminals and ending up in the system on, on that cycle that is so hard to break. That's a, that's an excellent point, and that's exactly exactly the hope. So by by taking a rehabilitative stance in, in, in the juvenile court and, and, and working and, and trying to devise what is in the best interest of the youth. Uh, the goal is, is to try to head off uh, future delinquent behavior. So whereas in the criminal court, we, you know, we refer to criminal behavior in the juvenile world, uh, it, it's called delinquent behavior. So yeah, the goal is, is to, to, to provide, um, you know, safety of course, but to, to, determine what's in the best interest of the young person to, to help them get on the right track, so to uh, speak. Hey, I appreciate that. The, the perspective for most people is that the penal system in this country isn't very re rehabilitative and it's just more of a, a privatized uh, industry, as it were, and there aren't a lot of people breaking the cycle. So if you can get, in, get at it at an early age with somebody and get them the sort of help that they need to deal with why it why they're doing whatever they're doing as opposed to just focusing on what has happened uh, that's an important part of the process certainly so one other um one other thing that um that I think is important um so in general in our country we have uh, um i guess it's refer been referred to as a competency crisis so um it's several states including louisiana um they have Come under federal monitoring because when defendants come in front of a judge um, and they're charged, you know, especially with a felony with serious offenses, and they need to be evaluated for competency, and maybe they do get evaluated. Um, so it takes a long time, often, for, the, for them to be evaluated by someone, and in the meantime, they may be sitting in jail somewhere. Um, but even if they do get evaluated, again, there's still um, a a very long time frame between when, you know, the, the information goes to the court and there's a hearing set and something's done. And sometimes even when they are then committed to um, a mental health facility, there's a long wait until they get in. It's, uh, you know, years ago in Louisiana, that wait was like a year or more. Um, so, so a lot of really sick people would be sitting in jail kind of waiting to get in. And um, that's because there, there aren't beds. <laughs> Um, and, and there's not really even, you know, bigger than that. There's for people who have mental illness to get treatment. There's just not many treatment facilities, especially if they need to be admitted for inpatient treatment. There, there just aren't really any, but even outpatient treatment, it's hard for um, people, especially who are indigent, to get adequate outpatient treatment. And so eventually they end up getting arrested for something um, or they'll go just to and from emergency rooms, you know, because there's no longer term placement for them. And, you know, eventually they do something that gets them arrested or that gets them in trouble. Or sometimes they are, you know, they're charged with serious offenses to get them treatment because that's kind of the only way to really get someone into treatment. And have those year long waits shortened at all? Is there, there any progress in Louisiana? 
Yeah, there has been um, there. Um, there has been with COVID, I think we kind of went back to that long wait list. And I don't know what it's like now. Um, but yeah, they, they were there was a federal consent decree um, with the there's one state hospital here. Where, one um, state hospital in the state of Louisiana. Yeah. So everyone is admitted there um, who's an adult and who's charged with a felony and needs to go. Um, where they were um, having to admit everyone, depending on how you know ill they were, um, within 15 days. Uh, but with COVID, of course, it, you know the jail shut down, the hospital shut down. Um, so I think that there's there's now again a long wait, and I don't know you know how that's going to go. But th- there's even a long wait for people to be evaluated, and a lot of people can be treated on an outpatient basis if that's recognized and if there's someone to to do some of that. And and how many beds does that one state hospital have? Oh, I I don't know what they have now. Um so a couple years ago I worked there. Um and, and I do think they've expanded the number of beds they had, but um it was between I'm going to say 6 and 700 not not that many, um, but but I do think they've expanded since then. Um, I mean, it's a whole state. It's just, it, it's not enough, of course. Well, I know here in Los Angeles, we've had, you know, COVID created a situation where the level of crime that would be enforced and or create a conviction has risen so that we could keep people out of the county lockups and out of the prisons which does not help the people on those margins who may not be a career criminal, but may have a mental health issue that manifested itself in a single event. Or that. Mm-hmm. So those people are just churned back onto the street out of the system here in, in, in uh, California. I'm not sure if it, that's the way it is in, in Louisiana these days, but it's not a great equation for, for uh, mm-hmm. all of society, frankly, if people who need help can't get it and have been accused of a crime, but it's not quite you know, a class A felony. Well, we don't have time for you. Go, you know, um, I'm, yeah. I'm hoping those things change and that, you know, that maybe COVID has uh, given the country a little more empathy towards mental health issues because everybody's been touched by anxiety and depression in the last couple of years at some point or other, you know, being locked down and having forced changes and things like that. Yeah. And I think, um, I think at least here in Baton Rouge, you know, there is, um, the judges have been, you know, trying to find outpatient options for uh, people um, who might otherwise be admitted to a hospital, but, you know, they're kind of faced with the fact that, well, they're not going to be admitted for a while. Um, And then, you know, there's a a lot of people are, um, and there's a move to kind of reform the cash bail system. So there are a lot more people um, being released instead of being kept in prison. you know, people people feel different ways about that. <laughs> well, and, and at the end of the day, it's a very serious funding issue. I mean, if your services are paid for by the municipalities and the mental health care needed for these people are paid by the municipalities, and if they're incarcerated and, 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 uh, that money has to come from somewhere. And no one likes tax increases, but these are things that have to be taken care of. Yeah, you know, it's, um, you know, a lot of people will blame it on deinstitutionalization, which um, you know, now that there are really aren't mental health facilities that are intermediate, longer term for people, 
they kind of bounce in and out of these systems. And, you know, maybe it would cost less if, if there were, you know, places like that. You know, we can't be sure. But, you know, there, there's just there's everything now is moved toward kind of community based care. And sometimes those, you know, those resources aren't really adequate to, to take care of it. Well, in, in just about every context, you know, especially with humans, prevention is always uh, more effective than, you know, having to take care of the other end of the equation. So uh, I appreciate what you do. Um, tell me something that either and both of you would like to be celebrating personally and professionally one year from now. Change gears. I think one year from now, um, we would like to be celebrating. Um, <laughs> <laughs> um, maybe like our um, our fifth full time employee hire or something. <laughs> yeah, I, you know, I, I I agree with that. You know, because the, the deal is is we'd like to expand the services that we do and 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 you know uh, service consultants to the court system and and help you know address this problem. And if we can expand, therefore that at least indicates that we're 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 doing a, a at least we're addressing the problem and we're 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 doing a, a, a good job. So the, the, the more the more people on the team, the greater breadth we have in in interacting with this issue and, and hopefully making an impact. Yeah, the, the services we offer, um, you know, we, we're underutilized, I think, because there's a lot of things um, that we could offer to courts and, and attorneys too um, that would help deal with this. I mean, a lot of that is kind of like who needs what treatments? Um, and we, we do use um, students from local universities um, and internship programs. So a lot of our um, services do come from students who are working under our supervision. And those are, they cost a lot less <laughs> um, than our services, which makes it a lower cost option, of course, for courts, especially. Um, and, you know, we have really great students there. They work under our supervision. So it's not as if they get lower quality of work or anything like that. Well, hey, I appreciate you spending some time with us here today. Please tell everyone what your URL is, where they can find your company, and what social media channels you're using these days. Our website is laforensicpsych.com, and that's P-S-Y-C-H.com. Um, and we are on LinkedIn. It's just under Forensic Psychology, LLC. Okay. Dr. Laura Brown, Dr. Jesse Lambert, thanks for spending some time with us here today on Business Ninjas. Uh, I, I wish you all the best. I know that you are pushing a rock up a very big hill, but uh, I appreciate what you do. And the more you can do to save some some youth from, you know, becoming career criminals, you know, everyone, everyone wins when you do that kind of work. So I appreciate it. Great. Thank you. Hey, are you a business ninja? Want to be interviewed like this? Give us a shout. Go to www.writeforme.io, W-R-I-T-E-F-O-R-M-E.io, and schedule a time to meet with us, and we'll make it happen. Keep slaying it, y'all.